0: Welcome to the Eat Right Nutrition Podcast, where we partner with experts in the health, wellness, and nutrition field to deliver you an excellent variety of content based on real science, real facts, and real food. I'm your host, Darone.
1: And I'm Nicole.
0: Today, we're going to talk about women and fat loss. lady. What are you doing? You ready to talk about your people?
1: <laughs> My ladies, you ladies, I'm ready.
0: What's up, ladies? My name's Big Sito.
1: <laughs> My ladies are good peeps and ladies love Big Sito, So it's a great topic.
0: All right, all you fabulous ladies. Today, we're going to cover women and fat loss. We're going to talk about calories, total daily energy expenditure or TDEE prioritizing nutrient density. We're going to talk about adequate protein intake, building muscle and why, and how we're also going to cover water intake and hormones. Woo
1: hoo. We got a lot to talk about.
0: So Nicole Daron women and fat loss is obviously a huge topic. Mm hmm. There's a lot involved. There are things that we want to look at, things that we want to factor into it, how to lose fat, right? And one of the reasons why we say fat loss is I don't really, I'm not really too fond, and I'm sure you as well aren't really too fond of the term weight loss. Correct. Right. So we want to talk about fat loss. We don't necessarily want to lose weight because that implies losing muscle, and losing muscle kind of uh, factors into your, calories in versus calories out or your total daily energy expenditure. So let's talk a little bit about total daily energy expenditure and what that means. Mm -hmm. Nicole, you want to run through the list?
1: Okay. So your TDEE basically is the amount of calories your body is burning per day and the the components to your TDEE or what makes up your TDEE. Um, are things like your basal metabolic rate, your the thermogenic effect of food, your NEAT, which is your non-exercise activity thermogenesis, um, and then the thermic effect of activity, which is basically your exercise.
0: So essentially what we do is we take your total daily energy expenditure and that's how much you're expending or, or that's how many calories your body is essentially burning throughout the day, right? So your basal metabolic rate would be des- defined as, this is how I like to define it, uh, to my people or to my clients is basal metabolic rate is if you were to lie in bed, if you wake up in the morning and you were to lie in bed and just breathe and be and exist and do absolutely nothing, how many calories does your body expend just existing? That would be your basal metabolic rate. Now, your thermic effect of food is going to be the food that you eat and the digestion process and the calories burned. Uh, Through breaking down the foods that we're eating. Your non exercise activity thermogenesis is going to be defined essentially as the number of calories that you're burning throughout the day, not exercising. Maybe you're walking around, maybe you're working, maybe uh, you're using your brain, you're studying, you're doing something like that, right? Because your brain also utilizes calories to function. And your thermic effect of activity is going to be your exercise. Now, this concept is super important in the sense that here's what I find in the gym is that women and potentially men as well, but I see this a lot with women, is that you focus on how many calories you're burning on the Stairmaster and you focus on how many calories you're burning from a standpoint of of the exercise and the workouts, right? You're tracking on your watch. Maybe you have an Apple watch and you're tracking the total number of calories that you're burning, which I don't really know if that's really an accurate depiction because that's kind of based on averages anyway. So yeah, never really. Not. You never really know how many calories you're actually burning throughout a workout. I mean, I guess it's kind of an okay gauge. It's not it's really the best. It's not really the best, right? If you're somebody who's super fit, you might burn calories more efficiently while you're working out than somebody mm-hmm. who's not. And if we're talking about data that's collected from a average of the population. The average person isn't really that active and won't really burn too many calories. Agree. Let's talk about basal, basal metabolic rate. Okay. Let's stay on basal metabolic rate for a minute. And I'm going to just bounce around on on the, the kind of plan and the idea that we have here right now uh, because we'll go down the list, right? So we went to basal metabolic rate, thermic effect of food, uh, non-exercise activity, and we went to exercise, right? So in that first portion, you've got basal metabolic rate. How do we increase basal metabolic rate? This is an important concept in terms of do I want to build muscle or not? So your basal, basal metabolic rate is adjusted in with various different things. Hormones are included, but let's, let's save that. Your basal metabolic rate is partly dictated by how much lean mass you have. Oftentimes, Nicole, and you can kind of to talk a little bit more about yeah. this. Oftentimes you find I'm scared to bulk up.
1: Yeah. Women have a hard time with the whole getting muscular concept or thinking that they're going to get so muscular so fast. And that word bulk, which has literally been in the industry for far too long. We need to, like, we need to just get rid of it. They think they're just going to go from me to you basically. <laughs> uh, you you from- to me, right? <laughs> from,
0: from, zero, from, from zero to jacked. Um, yeah. <laughs> but here, here's the thing that I hear a lot with women. I don't want to bulk up. I just want to be toned.
1: Oh yeah. That's another word that we need to get rid of tone, right? That
0: that's <laughs> a good one. Now let me explain what toned means.
1: Nothing. It means nothing. <laughs> well, Basically. I understand.
0: Okay. So <laughs> toned is not, you know, from a fitness professional standpoint, toned is not really a thing, but I understand what people mean. When they say, women I want to be
1: toned. Women, women mean by mean, being toned. Right? They want that long, lean muscle.
0: But they want to build muscle.
1: Right. But this is the point that they I'm don't, trying to make.
0: They don't want to associate it with. They say. They say this. I don't want to. I don't want to get they big and say, bulky. I just not want to.
1: Right. They say I don't. I want to build muscle, but I don't want to look like Big Sito. That's what they say. Because a minute ago I said you to me, but I meant, basically meant me to you. <laughs> right. You, so ba-
0: boss Blasi to Big Sito. <laughs>
1: Exactly. Not going to (laughs) happen.
0: So, what you're looking for is in order to get that, I'll put it in quotes, quote unquote, toned appearance. You're talking about, hey, I just kind of want to see some definition a little Mm -hmm. bit. I want to see the outline of my tricep. I want to see a little bit of shoulder, not too much. I want to be able to see, you know, some kind of shape and form to my body.
1: Exactly.
0: Which means you're building muscle. Right. So, don't be afraid to, Build lean mass. If you put on five pounds of muscle throughout your entire body, you're not even going to see it. You want to build muscle, and here's where it goes back to your basal metabolic rate, and this goes for men and women. The more muscle your body holds, the more calories you burn just sitting on the couch doing absolutely nothing. So your total daily energy expenditure ends up going up because your basal metabolic rate when you're just resting is trying to maintain that muscle mass, right? Unless you starve yourself and you don't eat enough, which is another point that we're going to touch up on. Yeah. Um, But your body's working to maintain that muscle mass. And what we understand about muscle is skeletal muscle is the most metabolically active tissue. It's the most metabolically demanding tissue, and it consumes a ton of calories, which is why if you go into a starvation and you're not feeding your body enough, one of the first things your body's going to target for energy is muscle because your body says, hey, man, or hey, girl, this, <laughs> this, this muscle is, is consuming a lot of calories, so I can just drop it because I need to survive. Exactly. So we want to work to increase our basal metabolic rate. Now, the thermic effect of food is... You know, you can tie kind of meal frequency into that and consuming foods on a regular basis, the foods that you eat, uh, the type of foods that you eat are also important. And this is where adequate protein also comes in, in terms of the thermic effect of food, because when you consume proteins, the thermic effect of breaking that protein down is much higher than the thermic effect of carbs and fat. So consuming more protein is going to do two things for you. One, it's going to help you to build lean mass and raise your metabolic rate. Two, it's going to increase that thermic effect of food. Both of those things contributing to your total daily energy expenditure.
1: Right. And creating the fat loss that you're looking to achieve.
0: Then we've got non-exercise activity thermogenesis, which I, I don't really have anything to say about that. You just burn whatever you burn throughout the day with whatever you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, And then we've got the thermic effect of the activity. So the the workouts that you're doing is important. Nicole, can you talk to me or talk to us or our audience about what type of workouts you generally recommend for women? Or I don't really know that it would be different for people in general. Give me a little bit about that.
1: Well, basically, lifting is the number one thing that I recommend to my ladies. You want to make sure that you're lifting heavy enough to actually create change in a progressive way. And you want to make sure you are getting adequate amount of cardio, but you don't want it to be the other way around. You don't want to be doing too much cardio and not enough lifting. So basically lift first, lift heavy, lift progressively, and then add your cardio.
0: Right. And there's a piece that I see often is I just do cardio because I don't want to bulk up, right? Going back to that bulking up thing.
1: Yeah. Women love cardio. Part of that is it, it does, I mean, cardio feels good. You sweat, you're getting breathless. Um, and I think for most women, it's also a de-stressor. You know, it feels good to get out and, and feel that burn, but I usually prioritize that as <laughs> basically the last on the list. I always start with lifting first.
0: It doesn't lifting feel good heavy. for me. I hate it.
1: <laughs> I hate it too. You don't have to tell me. I think you and I have had enough conversations <laughs> about how much we hate cardio.
0: <laughs> so, I
1: mean, obviously, you need it for heart health. So, you do want to do cardio. I'm not saying eliminate it, but I prioritize it differently in my programs.
0: Yeah. To me, the, cardio piece is secondary to the resistance piece.
1: Yeah. I usually prioritize nutrient dense foods, things that you're talking about in terms of adequate amount of protein and then lifting in terms of the type of program design and then cardiovascular and water. That's kind of my order of importance.
0: So, lift more weight and there's also a concept that you know, in terms of burning calories when you're thinking about doing cardio versus doing resistance training, your body burns more calories for longer, 24-hour mm-hmm. period after doing resistance training versus when you do cardio, you may have a little bit of lingering effect right after you do the cardio, uh, but the burning the calories kind of just stops at that point, like from beginning to end of your workout. So if you're talking about, hey, I want to burn more calories, it's going to be important to get that lift in.
1: And also, I know we're going to get into like the female menstrual cycle and hormones, but building muscle and lifting is also one of the primary focuses I have with my clients that are trying to balance their hormones or trying to correct any imbalance in their menstrual cycle kind of oh. has the goldilocks effect like you want to you know work out enough to create balance but don't work out too much to lose your cycle well I know we're going to get into that more but just to touch on it
0: also I want to add osteoporosis is a big yeah. thing a big thing with women that they're more at risk than men are generally so if you want to prevent osteoporosis build muscle Right. One of the most important things that we can do is to build lean mass to prevent our bones from breaking down. So, strong muscles help to protect your bones and help you to burn more calories. So, it's a win win. Now, <laughs> I, I, I do want to add a point that, you know, there, there's something that, you know, something that's newer in the research that's more recent in terms of that is the recommendation for women was also always to supplement with calcium. And now we're, we're what we're finding today in research is that uh supplementation in calcium may actually increase atherosclerotic plaque inside of your arteries because you're talking about calcification of your arteries so if there's more cal- free calcium kind of floating around in your arteries and you're in a, it's kind of like you know it's funny because we used to think i don't want to get off topic here but when i learned in college and when we talked about in my nutrition courses uh, how cholesterol functions in the body and how plaque gets built up. And and years later, like 10 years later, we're like, mm-hmm. oh, wait, actually, this is what happens. You're creating an inflammatory environment. And if you're under high stress, you're not getting enough sleep. You're not doing all these things. You're creating an inflammatory environment inside of the body. Uh, that's causing some injury to the tissue and in the arterial lining. And uh, if you've got excess calcium, that's where that calcium is going to build up. So we've actually, in terms of, I know it's a little bit off topic, but in terms of, you know, taking the calcium, those recommendations have changed. My point is this: the most important thing you can do to protect your bones. One of the most important things that you can do is build lean mass.
1: That's right, ladies, lift those weights.
0: But I don't want to go down a rabbit hole. We'll get into the <laughs> cholesterol thing down the road because I think it's uh, a cool topic and it's changed and evolved. Um. All right. So, Nicole, you you talk a lot about prioritizing nutrient dense foods. What does that mean?
1: Well, first and foremost. Um, just making sure you're getting quality food, adequate protein, good sources of whole grains and healthy fats.
0: Is there any kind of ratio of macronutrients that you recommend generally for women versus men or generally all the same?
1: Um, Honestly, it's different for every individual that I see. So I I would say no. Do you have a general baseline? Not really. I mean... I know there are a lot out there, but I really try and make that as individual as possible. I mean, I always start with protein intake first, so I always set that as the number one goal. Depends on the female, but anywhere between like, oh my gosh, the range is broad. Like anywhere between on the low end, 25 to 30%. On the high end, anywhere from 40 to 45% of the three macronutrients. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, uh, 30 to 45% of you know, on the high end of, uh, total calorie intake.
1: Yeah. All
0: right. So
1: what about you? How do you do that? Do you have general, I never even asked you that question. So I'm going to ask, do you have a general guide running? Did you like the 40, 30, 30, or like, what do you have something that you kind of guide off of and then change as you go?
0: Well, so it depends on the client and what state stage they're at. Right. Yeah, so exactly. with a client, if they're at a stage where they're like, all right, cool. I'm ready for macros. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Right. Which most beginner level clients aren't at that stage, but there are some clients that will come to me and they've messed around with macros. They know what they're doing. They're like, all right, cool. Just give it to me straight. And (laughs) I, the general, the general thing for that is pretty much 40, 30, 30. And then we branch Mm -hmm. off from there. Yeah, And I say, hey, 40-30-30 is not perfect for everyone. Some people need more fat. Some people need more carbs. Some people need less of things. And some Um, people
1: feel better with different carb to fats. Like that's one of the reasons why I play with those a lot. And I set protein first.
0: Right. And and protein isn't something, I mean, protein is very satiating. So in the beginning, if you just Mm -hmm. throw a bunch of protein in all at once, you might feel too full. You can't finish your meal or you're not going to be hungry for the next meal.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I usually take where they're, where they come in. Like if I have a female client that's never written anything down before then I don't even, we don't even go there. We just basically go with how many meals they eat, how, you know, how do they feel after their meals? I mean, I go through a whole like progression. I'll have them write it down on a piece of paper and then I'll take in and calculate things for them. But if they, like you said, if they've already been messing around with like a fit pal, my fitness pal or an app like that, then. I'll start by changing their protein intake first or setting that as a goal. And I'm like, just focus on that one thing at a time. And then I prioritize the nutrient dense portion of the carbs. Like what type of vegetables are they getting in? What type of whole grains, what type of fats, things like that. And I don't really mess around with too much of the percentages until I know they're actually eating good quality food. And they're prioritizing the good quality food. And then they can have some of the fun stuff and the things that they really love, you know, as a sex- so with women-
0: with women and uh, prioritizing nutrient-dense foods, right, like you bring up like the vegetables and things that they're eating, right, and mm-hmm. the, the fiber that they're probably getting from whole grains as well. There's a gut health piece, and there's also a, uh, there's a gut health and hormone piece too, right? Yeah, Which absolutely. I, I don't want to get into just yet, but um, there's a piece okay. there, and we'll talk about that. I do want to talk about water intake.
1: Okay. And I a- do want to
0: use this quote from, <laughs> from the Museum of Natural History in Manhattan because to me this was impactful, Okay. I have it. It's on an Instagram post on okay. uh, Eat Right Nutrition. It's, it's literally the first post ever. It's the chemistry that builds and sustains life requires a fluid medium in which atoms and molecules can react for all known forms of life. Liquid water provides that environment. Now.
1: Ooh, Um, good one.
0: I'm going to get heavy on the, on the metabolism piece, (laughs) right? Because I have seen studies that show from, from a performance standpoint that a 2% decrease in hydration, like if you're dehydrated by 2%, that will, that will decrease athletic performance by as much as 10%. Yeah.
1: That's why it's so dangerous for athletes to be dehydrated.
0: Right. And that, to me speaks volumes, because if you're not consuming adequate water, it affects your metabolism. It's going to affect your total daily energy expenditure, right? So mm-hmm. with this quote, it basically talks about a- atoms and molecules reacting, which is essentially what's happening with your metabolism, right? It's uh, Metabolism is, is defined as all chemical reactions occurring in the human body or in the body. So if you look at that, all chemical reactions, if that includes breaking down fatty acids, right, to burn them as fat, Breaking down proteins, turning them into amino acids, building lean muscle tissue, uh, breaking down carbohydrates, utilizing for, utilizing them for energy or blood sugar, or you know storing glycogen, right in your liver or your muscles, and your hormones, right? Those are chemical reactions as well. So yep. if you're not well hydrated, and this I'll say to everybody as a blanket statement, if you're not well hydrated, your metabolism, your total daily energy expenditure isn't going to function as well as it should. So Nicole. What's a recommendation Mm -hmm. for hydration and how much the average person, just ballpark, just like give a a rough. I usually
1: tell women between half a gallon and a gallon of water per day.
0: I say half your body weight in ounces per day. Or that. (laughs) Right. Now, here's the thing. If you're a little bit on the heavier side and you have, you have a little bit more body fat, you might not need as much because muscle needs more hydration and more water than fat tissue, but. You know, as a general rule of thumb, half your body weight in ounces per day.
1: How much do you drink per day in water? I drink about a gallon a day.
0: I I probably drink about half my body weight, but I I probably should. I probably might need a little bit more than that. I used to, when I was bodybuilding competing, I I was like really Mm -hmm. strict, really religious with with the gallon jug, and I look like a tool doing it.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I don't care. I have to be honest with you. I mean, I don't carry a gallon jug around because... Honestly, it's a pain to carry around, but I definitely, I have like, I have a jug with the lines on it. Like I draw lines on it throughout the day. Like I have to get to a certain amount by a certain time of day. Otherwise then I'm up in the middle of the night peeing and that's aggravating. So I do try and get it done.
0: (laughs) You you don't want to do that.
1: No, it's aggravating, but I do. Water for me is, is a big one uh, personally and then with my clients.
0: So those basic things, right? So, you know, prioritize nutrient dense foods. Um, make sure, you know, when you're, when you're consuming vegetables and we'll, we'll talk about the fiber piece and why that's important when we kind of right now, when we dive into hormones, mm-hmm. um, at getting adequate protein intake, building lean muscle mass, making sure that you're doing resistance training, getting adequate, uh, hydration, which, you know, my recommendation for the typical person, a uh, typical healthy individual, half your body weight in ounces per day, and then balanced hormones, Nicole, this mm-hmm. is, this is kind of your wheelhouse. I want to talk about hormones. I want to talk about how to know, how to kind of gauge if they're off. Mm -hmm. And I want to talk about the importance of hormones and why they're important for your fat loss program.
1: Well, basically, just to kick off the conversation, the most important way to know if a female is healthy and her hormones are quote unquote balanced is to be sure she is having a menstrual cycle. and. In the fitness industry, we, or I have seen a lot with my females, they're either not getting a menstrual cycle because they're over-exercising and under-eating, or they are getting a menstrual cycle and it's all over the cycle map. If, I can, if, if when I'm meeting with a client, I know that their menstrual cycle is balanced, then I, have a, I feel more comfortable that their body will function adequately and is able to handle a fat loss goal.
0: So here's the thing from my experience and probably from your experience as well. If a woman comes to you and says, I haven't had a menstrual cycle in let's say three, let's call it three months. Okay. Any arbitrary time frame,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I haven't had a menstrual cycle in three months. I mean, to me that needs to be corrected first and foremost, absolutely, because, because it's a big part of the equation of total daily en- energy expenditure, how many calories you're going to mm-hmm. burn and your ability to lose fat.
1: Yes. And ultimately to be healthy, which is first before we even tackle fat loss.
0: So some of the causes of an irregular menstrual cycle, Nicole? Mm -hmm.
1: Well, I think number one is under eating. And I don't mean like, I don't mean, it is huge. I don't mean being in an appropriate caloric deficit. I mean, being in a highly restricted deficit for a extended period of time. And the extended period of time is actually even bigger of a piece than being in a, a heavy caloric deficit. It's something that stresses the body out over a long period of time and the menstrual cycle disappears. It also can happen with over exercising so that it can go either way. And if you have both over exercising and undereating, then you're looking at a lot of uh, a big mass potentially.
0: So bikini competitor is being coached by your typical shitty coach.
1: Yes, that's one of the that's one of the ways. But I have to tell you, I've seen it in a lot of regular general population women who are just trying to create a physique change and they and it's not that they don't know what they're doing. I mean, that's a piece of it, but they don't know their bodies very well and they don't understand or listen to the cues of things being kind of off track. It it ends up being that they're they're more focused on the fat loss and the physique goal than their actual health and well-being.
0: Or how many clients have you had that have uh, been to their doctor and their doctor has told them that it's normal to that they missed a menstrual cycle?
1: Well, I think I've had a few for sure. And I think a lot of the times from a doctor's point of view, if it's not more than one month, because again, the chronic aspect, if it's multiple months in a row, well then I hope every doctor would think that that's something to be paying attention to. Um, but sometimes, if a female is under a lot of stress, you know she can skip a period one month, and then it comes back the next month. So one month is something to pay attention to, but I wouldn't like I wouldn't totally freak out just yet. I mean, you also could be pregnant, so there's pregnancy tests that would definitely be part of that equation as well. <laughs> but a lot of women don't go to the doctor unless they are missing their period again, if they think they're pregnant, one, (laughs) Um, and two, if it's a couple months at a time and they're starting to experience um, other symptoms, or they're trying to get pregnant and they're not getting a period. That's another reason why a female would go to the doctor and get her hormones tested is to find out if she's ovulating correctly or at all, things like that.
0: All right. Well, two questions for you in regards to that. Uh, one, you mentioned a little bit earlier that um, the regularity, right, mm-hmm. is that a factor that you're looking at, like same same day of the month, roughly?
1: Roughly, yeah.
0: Should be right. Not like I got it on the 15th and I got it on the 30th. Correct. And well, more uh,
1: I got it on the 15th and then I got it again on the 22nd or something. There should be. There's two phases to the cycle. So it should be pretty spread out. And every woman's a little bit different in terms of like, I mean, the, the normal is a 28-day cycle, give or take a couple of days.
0: And then you mentioned symptoms. So what are kind of some of the uh, telltale signs of you might be having an issue with this?
1: Well, heavy PMS is a big one. I think <laughs> there's not a female on the planet that hasn't experienced, even in a healthy female, a month where your PMS symptoms may be worse and than the month before, or your period is much heavier than the month before. It's definitely, it can go up and down in terms of being heavy one month, being a little lighter. A lot of that is our stresses on the body. And some of the things that we're talking about can affect how a female cycle occurs.
0: Right. Okay. So uh, things that might affect it over exercise, under eating, or undernourishment. Mm hmm what i sleep. find what i find with women is your produce or vegetable intake is important mm-hmm. for female health and i think it's underemphasized correct correct lack of sleep right yep. things that are stressors are obviously going to going to you know do that and i don't think that the recommendations for sleep are any different than really men right you should get adequate sleep mm-hmm. if not Maybe some supplementation might be in order, right? Like we talked about on testosterone. You can reference that episode. We talked about potentially doing uh, melatonin. We also talked about habits. We talked about shutting off the lights, things like that. Now, you mentioned two phases of the menstrual cycle. Mm -hmm. So let's go into the two phases. Let's go into what's going on and let's go into what should be going on when that's normal and regulated.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, so the two phases. Well, so we'll start with the phases. I'm gonna just tongue tied right from the beginning. The two phases are the first phase is the luteal phase, um, which is the two weeks leading up to your first day of bleed, which is basically when estrogen is lower than progesterone, and so a lot of the times that in, that second week is that week where a lot of women will experience PMS heavy cravings, a um, little bit of cramping, fatigue. And during that week, it, to be honest with you, for women that experience heavy periods or lots of cramping, it is really difficult to get in a lot of your heavy lifting or exercise. It can be a little bit of a challenge simply because you just you feel like crap and you're exhausted um, and your cravings are high. The second phase is the follicular phase, which is the first day that you bleed till the end of the month. Um, And during that phase, your estrogen is higher than your progesterone. And any woman will tell you that the first day that she bleeds feels amazing. (laughs) I mean, it's not amazing. It doesn't feel great. You don't feel so good, you're a little icky, but energy-wise, it's almost like a pressure relief. You feel much better, you start to have more energy. And a lot of my ladies will come in once they start bleeding and feel really good and wanna lift and feel like they have a little more energy. Cravings are a little bit less, so they feel like they have a little more control over their food intake.
0: So, we've got luteal and follicular phase, and Mm -hmm. essentially, during the luteal phase, progesterone is high, estrogen is lower. During the follicular phase, estrogen is higher, progesterone is lower. Mm -hmm. And the well, so what I'm looking at from the information from the research is that, well, first and foremost, right, Nicole, you mentioned this to me that the Luteal phase is essentially preparing the uterus and the body for pregnancy. You got it. And the there's an elevation in body temperature, and there's an increase in metabolic rate by Mm -hmm. anywhere from 100 to 300 calories per day due to that slight increase in body temperature. Yes. Now, I mean, thermic talk about thermic effect of whatever, right? Uh, Yeah. That's that's (laughs) the that's I mean that's part of your total daily energy expenditure. It goes up during the luteal phase.
1: Yes. And so that's why I think a lot of women experience fatigue. You have that surge. And most women would think that surge and that preparation would actually give them energy. And some women do. I have heard some women tell me like a day or two before they get their period, literally one to two days before, right before, they'll get this incredible surge of energy and feel really good. And then they'll feel that drop once they actually start to bleed. It depends on the woman. I mean, that's I have never experienced that myself <laughs> um, but I always feel really exhausted and run down during the week before my period so I tend to take a little bit more care of myself in terms of making sure I'm getting hy- hydrated big fan of water during that week it helps so much
0: okay and then follicular phase which you know is uh, you know more estrogen which estrogen is responsible for you know female characteristics bigger hips breast tissue things like that you know, also on the flip side, like males that have, you know, more body fat, they end up producing more estrogen. That's why, uh, you, you know, you find with men that the men who develop breast tissue who are heavier when they're younger, they develop breast tissue because of estrogen, right? That's an estrogen kind of dominance type of thing. Like you would describe with the female hormones and I want to get into that estrogen dominance thing, dominance thing. And I want you to kind of explain that to us. Mm -hmm. Um, you've got increases in body fat levels during the follicular phase. Uh, Elevated levels of estrogen affect the thyroid and, all, and slows down metabolic rate. So during yes. those phases, you kind of have the first phase where you're increasing your metabolic rate. And then the second phase where you're slowing down your metabolic rate. Mm-hmm. And you think
1: about it. You're preparing to get pregnant. So the body surges and the energy goes up, gets ready to prepare. The egg gets dropped. There's no pregnancy. And then everything slows back down. And gets ready for the next month. So it makes sense in this that that surge and then that rest.
0: Okay. And then estrogen levels kind of fluctuating. You're supposed to be in that higher progesterone, lower estrogen. We've yeah. talked about how you, what's a kind of like telltale sign, right? Of that being kind of thrown off. So mm-hmm. what's happening in the body when that's thrown off?
1: Well there's a term called estrogen dominance. Um, I hear a, a lot of women come in and say, I'm estrogen dominant. And I think they they believe that if they're estrogen dominant, then it's going to be harder for them to lose fat. Estrogen dominant is basically a term that means that during the luteal phase, where normally estrogen is lower than progesterone, estrogen dominance means that that's flipped, that during the luteal phase, estrogen is actually higher than progesterone. So it is a dominant estrogen It's the dominant hormone during a phase when it shouldn't be dominant. So that's where estrogen dominant term comes from. And a lot of women, if that is the case, they feel like that can be something that can get in the way of fat loss. Now, if that is truly the case, then that's a time where the female has to go to the doctor and get some hormone testing done. It absolutely happens. And a lot of the times women that have been on birth control a long time, when they come off... Can sometimes get this type of imbalance and there's lots of different ways to correct it it can be corrected but you do have to go and actually find out if that is truly the case and there is a hormone test called um, cycle mapping um, where they actually map um, you basically do like a dry urine test you pee throughout the phases of your cycle and they test each of the phases of when estrogen is lower than progesterone and estrogen is higher than progesterone and just make sure that that is correctly happening in your cycle a lot of women will do um, cycle mapping when they're trying to get pregnant
0: so cycle mapping you have to go multiple times throughout the month mm-hmm. throughout those phases to see yeah is is and you can test through your urine um, I guess the amount of proge- progesterone or estrogen that's being excreted. Yeah, they
1: test your levels during that time to make sure that everything is functioning correctly. Because if you if your progesterone if you are not adequately balanced in the progesterone during each phase of your cycle, you will have trouble getting pregnant.
0: Is that often tested
1: regularly? Or, let no. me word
0: let me word it like let this: me- Should that be something that people should be testing?
1: I usually send women. I, I do send women to get cycle testing if we're doing everything right in terms of they're exercising, they're lifting, they're create, getting you know the nutrient density in their foods. They have adequate protein, and things still may seem off. And again, that all goes back to the discussion of what type of cycle they're having. So if I do find that women are experiencing heavy bleeds longer than five to seven days, if they're getting terrible cramps, if they're having, um, you know, if they're putting weight on rapidly, that's a surefire sign. Like, and it doesn't even have to do with anything more than, you know, they're exercising and doing everything they're supposed to do. And they're just gaining weight. And I mean, rapid weight, like 10 pounds in two weeks. Or if they came off birth control pills and they're, you know, you want to wait like three to six months before you actually go in to have your hormones tested because it takes some time for your body to adjust and the brain to connect to releasing hormones again after you've come off birth control pills. So there are some situations where you, I will send women to get their blood work done, um, but in a general Like, in a general sense, no. We always try and work on lifestyle changes first and calories in versus calories out and getting their lifts in and water intake, all the things we discussed earlier in the podcast, first. If that doesn't create the changes they want and things are still somewhat off, then I'll send them to their doctor.
0: Then you're having a hormonal issue that is kind of stopping you from getting where you need to go.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it definitely happens.
0: That that shouldn't be mistaken for... I. I'm telling myself that I'm doing all the things that I should be doing. But <laughs> exactly. <I'm really>
1: not. <laughs> exactly. All right. Yeah. You, the, the one thing I will say is females are very quick to judge their body that something is wrong. Their thyroid is off, their menstrual cycle uh, or their periods make them gain weight. I mean, you gain water weight leading up to your period anyway. That's part of the process of each phase of those hormones fluctuating. So all that's normal. So if they're not aware of the normalcy of that part of their, the way their body functions and changes, then I do try and educate them. You'd be very surprised how many women don't understand their menstrual cycle and what happens during their, during the month within their own body. So it's a lot of like asking questions and figuring things out, but we always start with lifestyle number one.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've had instances with clients too where they'd come to me and they would not have a menstrual cycle and they haven't been able to lose weight and they're gaining weight and, you know, female client comes to me and I'm like, all right, well, cool. First of all, we need to refeed you because you've been eating anywhere from 800 to 1000 calories which like my minimum threshold has been 1300. I don't know why I set it mm-hmm. at 1300, but I don't think that anybody should eat below 1300 calories and the goal is to increase their calorie intake and once you increase their calorie intake, the you see that they start to get their menstrual cycle back and then mm-hmm. over time over 3 to 6 months because things are still kind of imbalanced and they take time to work themselves out, you see that weight start to come off in them to start getting results.
1: Yeah. Women are really like I said, they're really quick to blame their body and not their behaviors on the things that aren't happening. So you wanna start with the behavior change and then work and then I work my way back. I'm like, if you're actually doing everything right, you know, you talked about calorie trackers and food trackers, my fitness pal, things like that. User error is <laughs> really high <laughs> when it comes to things like MyFitnessPal and calorie burn like the apple watch and things like that are highly overestimated in what women think they're burning so we'll we work I, on those things first. i think
0: the i think the important thing for people in general to realize but i i see this often with women too is it's not just about calories in calories out it's part of the equation but there's other important pieces and if mm-hmm. metabolically speaking you're you're doing this metabolic damage by and this hormonal damage by not consuming enough calories and over exercising which i see all too often, that needs to stop. You, you have to eat enough to sustain life, which would be, you have to eat above your basal metabolic rate, mm-hmm. right? Because that's how many calories it takes for you to exist and sustain life and below your expenditure.
1: Right. For a longer period of time than four hours to four weeks, right? Um, and I also would be careful with the word metabolic damage. It's, it's really about adaptation. And that's what that's what women women will come in all the time and be like my metabolism is damaged and i'm like well i don't think it's damaged although there are severe cases with disease and disorders that can happen but a lot of the times it's metabolic adaptation their body has adapted to this way of life they're living and they're so petrified and i mean petrified to put any more calories in their mouth to what you're saying is okay let's change things up because you're not getting what you want doing what you're doing Right. So you're not getting where So worst case scenario is I make a few recommendations. We change a few things and you don't get where you are or you don't get where you're trying to go.
0: You're still not getting there. You're anymore. still
1: not getting there. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> like right? I can't say. Hey, you're hey, still hey, there. So hey, what's hey, the harm in trying?
0: Here's the thing. You, you bring up a good point, right? It's metabolic adaptations, right? So your body just says, hey, man, I'm not burning because you're not feeding me enough. Right. Um, or hey, girl. Right. But <laughs> It's it's important. And I, I do think that, you know, eating in eating a very low amount of calories below your ma- basal metabolic rate for a extended period of time, it makes it that much harder and it takes your body longer to recover. Correct. Exactly.
1: It, absolutely. And here's the other piece to that. Women are afraid to do anything different because they do, there's no guarantee of the, what that type of change is going to be. I might gain a few pounds. Oh, my goodness. But if it gets you to the place you want long term, we may have might, to do that. You might,
0: you might in the beginning. But that, that's and that's the thing, too, is it's funny because when I tell women, I'm, you're going to eat more and they're like, what do you mean I'm going to eat more? And, and I'm like, you're eating 800 calories a fucking day. Like I'm not you think I'm going to give you 500 calories a day? Like what I you're I'm going to give yeah, you. Yeah, where more do you calories. go from there? I'm, yeah, Where do I go from there? The only way the only place to go is up.
1: Right, and I think the other piece to that is going up with the right types of foods. Because I always say that to women
0: too. So quality of food matters too, and you know this is where like the flexible dieters come out. Right, I'm Mm -hmm. I'm not a big fan of that. I'm I'm more into nutrient dense foods, like you talked about. But it's also gradual, and it's a gradual increase in calories. We're going to increase 100, 200, maybe. If we're bold, three hundred calories at a time, probably not even. Mm-hmm. We're gonna gradually increase your calories so that you're not putting on excess body fat, right? At the, during that time, and be patient and trust the process because it works every time. Yeah, unless you've got a hormonal disturbance that us that we can't fix mm-hmm. that needs medical attention.
1: Right, and we address all of those things if we need to. So, but this is my whole point about the fear. Like, I mean, we can get really deep into the rabbit hole about the whole reason why women have this, this fear of gaining weight is because diet culture and all this, this fear. I don't
0: don't even want to, I don't even want to go down that rabbit hole. It's
1: true though. Like the women are so afraid to gain a pound, like God forbid. Um, so it's embedded in their brain that that's, bad like it's bad to gain weight it's it's terrible like it's bad to gain it's bad to gain fat
0: potentially unless you have a low super low body fat but it's (laughs) it's good to gain lean body mass right and change your body composition that's what we're talking about like that's what women are talking about when they're talking about oh I want to look tone you want to change your body composition you want more muscle and less body fat
1: Right. But if you're not willing to do anything to create the change, then there's nothing we can do. It's also
0: important to say this because I've seen women compare themselves to men and be like, Oh, well, my husband (laughs) is, my husband has 13% body fat. Okay. Well, you're a woman. You shouldn't have 13% body fat because your body is designed for childbearing and pregnancy and making babies. Unfortunately, You were born that way and men aren't designed to make make babies, right? So you have a different body and you're supposed to have more body fat because it's healthy for you.
1: Exactly.
0: And healthier body fat percentage might look like 20, 22%, 23%. I think that's like the fit level of body fat for women, right? Mm -hmm. And you notice with women is that when their body fat drops too low... You know, you see this with competitors, you see Mm -hmm. this with athletes, their body fat drops too low, and then they're at risk for things like the female athlete triad, Mm -hmm. uh, which is loss of your menstrual cycle, loss of bone density. And there's a third one, low energy availability.
1: Yeah. Well, and then there's your prime, what is that? Your triple threat for injury.
0: Yeah. It's healthy for you to have body fat. Women are supposed to have more fat. Yeah. And you know what? Quite, quite frankly, men like I'm, it. I'm <laughs> say it.
1: You can if say you get, it. You gotta say
0: it. Eat a cheeseburger. <laughs> let it go to your ass.
1: Yeah, let it go to your booty. I was waiting for that. <laughs> well, this is my whole point about diet culture. It's women are harder on women about their bodies than men are to women. I mean, when I'm at like, if I'm thick and juicy, men are happy, or the men in my life are happy. If I'm skinny mini. It's like put some, put some. Put some stuff on there, <laughs> you know. God sakes, growing ass. It. Eat a burger.
0: <laughs> so, Nicole, I want to take a little bit of time and talk about gut health and why that's important to women. And there's some hormonal stuff going on with that. Correct.
1: Yeah, gut health is important for what we call estrogen detoxification. Um, so when we talk about our periods and our periods functioning correctly and having good, balanced, healthy periods. The flip side to that is estrogen detoxification, which is really important for females. And basically, gut health is one of the primary areas of the body that helps to detoxify estrogen from your system. So, there's basically three phases. The first and second phase um, is basically occurs in the liver, and it's where estrogen is basically metabolized. Um, It becomes water soluble, and then estrogen basically leaves the cell and enters the fate the third phase which is through the gut and we basically need to poop it out so it doesn't get recirculated through our system
0: so you need to so poop we, out estrogen
1: yeah and so let me say let me tell you two things so one a lot of females will have gut disturbances during their period loose stool or constipation and for every female it's a little bit different and even for certain phases of it leading up to your period you may have one of the two, and once you get your period or during your period, you may have one of the two, either loose stool or or constipation. And the reason why that happens is the shift or the um, the balance or change in estrogen and progesterone. So you want estrogen to actually go through the cycle of being lower in the luteal phase, higher in the follicular phase, and then you actually want it to be eliminated through the body in a healthy way. So if your gut is not functioning correctly and you are not pooping regularly or you are having loose stool, then your detoxification of your estrogen can be affected. And that phase three is important because we learn about ex- estrogen detoxification in a one, two, three phase, but when it's treated to heal it, you go three, two, one and heal it in the reverse. So basically that's why gut health is super important. And that's why we talk a lot about fiber during the menstrual cycle and making sure you're getting adequate amounts so that your microbiome is healthy and can actually function and you can eliminate correctly.
0: And you have an, an analogy for that, right?
1: Yeah. The bathtub analogy basically is pretty simple. So if you think of a bathtub, um, the water in the bathtub is your estrogen. Okay. The tub itself is your body. And the drain is the phase two where your estrogen gets metabolized. So it comes through the drain through the liver. And then as it goes through the, the uh, what do you call it? The sewage? <laughs> the sewage. Thank you. Oh like, what's the word I'm looking for? As it goes through the sewage pipe, um, it gets eliminated. So think of the sewage drain as your gut.
0: So think sewage the- drain is like your colon.
1: Yeah, basically. So you want your, your hormones during your cycle to be balanced. Your estrogen gets metabolized. It goes through the drain and then it exits through your sewage pipe. And- it- comes out of your body
0: and you need all that to be working efficiently and if it's not now the testing will tell you where you're having an issue
1: Mm -hmm. if in the first phase estrogen is higher than progesterone you're going to have a phase one phase two issue in detoxification because it shouldn't be higher so you're going to be producing more estrogen than you should if your estrogen is lower in the follicular phase in that second phase then you're going to have more issues with gut health
0: all right cool so your hormones are important it's important to have a regular cycle it's important to be regular it's important to keep track of that it's important to keep be in tune with your body as a woman and what are some of the things that we should talk about from maybe a supplement standpoint Mm-hmm. Where, where do we go on that end? So the
1: three main supplements that I will recommend to women um, for healthy menstrual cycle is, or just healthy hormones in general, is magnesium, primarily from a sleep standpoint and because magnesium helps with phase two of estrogen detoxification, as well as B12 and vitamin D. Those are my three big ones.
0: So B12, from my understanding, it's it ends up being deficient if you have if you're estrogen dominant, right? If you have too much estrogen, uh, Mm B12 and actually B6, which would be folate or folic acid, however you want to look at it. Yep, Um, you can even
1: put zinc into that one into that category as well because magnesium, B12, B6, zinc, and folate all help with estrogen detoxification.
0: And then vitamin D, you mentioned.
1: Yeah, just because most women, to be honest with you, vitamin D, most women are already low in, deficient in. And if they're deficient in vitamin D, their periods definitely tend to be more uncomfortable.
0: And then uh, you've got something like DIM that some people might be familiar with, some people might not be familiar with. DIM is a compound derived from the digestion of indole 3 carbonol, which is found in cruciferous vegetables. So essentially you can just say, Hey, you know, it's basically crushed up vegetables, um, but it's already kind of like a pre-converted form. Where would you recommend that?
1: I always tell clients. So a lot of women come to me asking about DIM for estrogen dominance. Um, Thinking that that will help with weight loss, the first and foremost, you want to go to your doctor and find out if you are in fact estrogen dominant, so that luteal phase and making sure your estrogen is lower than your progesterone. Because the thing with DIM is because it is not food-based vegetables, DIM is more appropriate for phase one detoxification, um, and it actually can lower your estrogen more. So it actually can be dangerous or I shouldn't even say dangerous. It's not going to be effective if you are not in need of DIM. So that's something that I always have clients go to get tested before they take it. That's not so, something I would just recommend to anybody.
0: So you essentially want to take DIM if you've gotten tested and you know that you are estrogen dominant.
1: Correct because it will potentially lower your estrogen. But if you are not estrogen dominant and your estrogen is normal, you don't wanna take them and then lower it even more because that can cause problems as well. You just, you know, when it comes to hormones, testing is is vital. You don't wanna mess around with that. You don't wanna take a chance of taking something Because once you start that process, it's, you know, can be hard to get it back in balance.
0: You can throw off your balance if you're doing something that you obviously shouldn't be doing.
1: Exactly. So I always recommend that's a time where I would say, go to your GYN, ask her about DIM, let her do some testing and find out if there is really something going on that you need it for, or it's not just, you know, the lifestyle factors that you and I can work on.
0: All right. So that's complicated females for you.
1: <laughs> it's not that complicated. I just want to say that. I really want to say it. I feel like women think they're more complicated than they are. I mean, we we clearly have a lot of factors that well, I'll say this, into there, being a woman.
0: There are uh there's a lot more complexity to female hormones than there are to male hormones. That I Absolutely. know from from just looking at the research and I would, you know, I'm not an expert on female hormones, but if I wanted to become an expert, it would probably take me ten plus years to <laughs> dive in through all of that. And it, it's there's a lot to, um, you know, hormones in women. But what I will say is, just live a healthy lifestyle. Focus on the factors that we talked about. Focus on mm-hmm. prioritizing nutrient dense foods, adequate protein intake, which is important for building lean mass, raising your basal metabolic rate, focus on your water intake. And if you're having some type of menstrual issue, it's something that you should be aware of and conscious of and and kind of looking at from that aspect.
1: Yes. hundred percent,
0: (laughs) a hundred percent. Ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed this episode or any other episode, click subscribe, give us five stars, write a comment, and I'm going to say it right this time. You'll hear us next week.